Hi, Sam. Hi, Lauren. Are you ready to talk about Belle? I am, because after all, we are the watchers of movies. Hello. We're back. We're back. Yeah. So how things have been how have things been going? Has your heat been like, you know, on? Yeah, the maintenance guy came back and he explained to me what was going on once and for all. And something about like I live high up and so the boiler can't like isn't powerful enough when the water pressure goes down to like send heat all the way to my apartment. So they had a plumber come in. I don't know. I guess it's been fixed though. So that's good news. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> the saga. The saga of my heat. Of heat, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, then there's that whole thing that's been going on in Texas with like with, you know, people losing their their uh heat and their electricity and their water shut off right now. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, um, it's insane. Wild, but it's just it's weird because like to us that's just normal like just living having that kind of you know i mean there's still a bunch of snow on the ground outside and i don't know i can't i can't imagine like i know like in maryland because my i have family that lives in maryland is and when they have like an like half an inch of snow everything shuts down because everyone freaks out and like can't drive and stuff like that but Again, for us, it's like, we're like, oh, it snowed five inches. That's fine. And I'll make it to work. It's good. You know? Yeah. But. Yeah. I don't, it's a different world. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Anyway. How have you so, been? I've been good. Just hanging out. Um, you know, I moved all my, uh, my photographs that I painted into like a rainbow pattern which looks really cute you saw a picture of it of yeah, course the frames he painted the yep. frames yep mm -hmm. except for some reason the wall that I put them on is maybe made of cardboard that's painted over because it like a bunch of like huge chips of paint like came off when I was trying to remove them because they had already been you know put on there with the command strips and then but I guess the command strips I was using are for posters, but it doesn't seem like it would do that much damage, like, because it's not supposed to, you know? But why would a command strip do more damage? Like, the part that adheres to the wall is the same, regardless of what you hang on it. Yeah. I don't know. I do use, like, a butter knife to remove a bunch of them to, like, get in there because it was, like, I was worried I was going to actually break the glass by, like, trying to tug it off the wall. Yeah. So Jeez. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's weird. Right? <laughs> That's really strong. It's strong. And it, I mean, it looks really good. There's like a couple of spots where I couldn't exactly hide them um, just based on like the placement of the photos. But it, it's like, what the hell? What is this wall made of? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's really weird. It looks like, I mean, I showed you a picture of it. It looks like it's cardboard underneath. Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. It look. It's like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Anyway, so bad construction. It's not my fault. 
It's their fault. <laughs> I refuse. I refuse to take responsibility for this. You're giving me a look like maybe you should, but I'm like, no, I don't think I will. <laughs> I just liked how, like how cavalierly you were like, it's not my fault, even though you were <laughs> like the one who put all the sticky stuff on the wall. It is weird. Like, I, I think it is probably bad construction. It's an interior wall that's probably not load bearing. So they're probably like, eh, just, yeah, you know, put this yeah. wall here. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, but oh well. It looks really cute, so that's all I... Yeah, your frames look really nice. Thank you. It was a cool idea to paint them. Took a long time, you know? It was several, several layers of paint. Some of them had, like, only three layers, and then others were, um, because they were black frames, so, like, others were, like, four, or, like, maybe, like, up to, like, six layers of paint. It was crazy. Wow. Jeez. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. And I couldn't, like, predict which colors would do that or not, so it was just kind of, like, whatever, you know? Hmm. Um, But I was using my blow dryer to dry each layer so I could just do it faster, and Bear was sleeping in his little bed, and every time I turned on the blow dryer, he'd look up at me, like, we're doing this again. You're doing this again. <laughs> Stella used to do something really cute. Um, if you were blow drying your hair in the bathroom, mm-hmm. she would she would hear it from wherever she was in the house and like come in and lay down on the floor because she liked the heat. Uh-huh. It was really cute. Like if you were in there, you could guarantee like turning around. Oh, she's here. She's laying down. That's you know, so cute. That's, That's yeah, so cute. She liked to be warm. Oh, I wanted yeah. to read something because I think it's pertinent. So last week on our Deja Vu episode, I talked about the the wormhole device that Denzel wore on his head as he was driving uh-huh. on the highway. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And after Mike listened, he sent me these texts and I thought they were really good points. So I wanted to bring them up if anybody from last week feels the same or maybe you want to hear this new point of view. So Mike says, I have to take issue with your thoughts on the wormhole helmet branding. I don't think one company built it for them and put their logo on it. They talked about how they stumbled upon this technology while trying to do something else. So I think they cobbled the device together from whatever equipment would work. And in that case, one of the components happened to be a VR headset or something, but heavily modded for their purposes. And I thought that was a really good that makes me feel like I'm cool with the brand. Like that answers the question of like the deja vu device was just, or whatever it was, the wormhole device was just, you know, a bunch of components put together. Yeah. And yeah. so that's cooler than I'm, I'm still like, my thoughts about the device are still iffy, but I don't have any problem with the device itself. The construction makes a lot more sense. Yeah. That's a good point that they probably just use things that they had and on hand. I agree. I think that his point is is very valid. I think that makes sense as to um you know, what it might be or how they got it or whatever, you know? Yeah. 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 So and I said to him, I wish you'd been on to say that. And so I thought <laughs> the next best thing was just reading his texts. So <laughs> Uh, I know. How dare he listen after and then have that thought? <laughs> I know. He watched the movie after we recorded, so <laughs> he wasn't even prepared. 
<laughs> How rude. <laughs> anyway. Uh, he should have been prepared for the thing he didn't even know he was supposed to be prepared for. Yeah, he has to be prepared to be on at a moment's notice <laughs> after the fact when we're done recording. <laughs> he has to have his own wormhole device <laughs> to look back four days ago and know that four days from now we still wouldn't know if we wanted to have him on. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> no it's good it's good uh, i have um a weird recommendation though before we start okay topic and it's i'm a little bit embarrassed about it but so have you ever watched the movie they're like netflix originals and they're like to all the boys i've loved before have you heard no, of them because it didn't I, like the more advertisements i seen for it the less i wanted to watch it yeah that's why i'm a little embarrassed so i watched the first one a few years ago, like when it was first out i put it on kind of in the background because i'm kind of a sucker for like high school teenage movies and i like love stories and so i i thought it would be entertaining and it was kind of entertaining like it wasn't bad and i have this like weird um i get like a, a weird enjoyment out of seeing high school girls bedrooms and movies because they're always so much cooler than i've ever like any bedroom i've ever lived in no i totally 100 percent understand that like i'll be like i'll be like why wasn't my bedroom that cool yeah like, and i can remember clearly like as a as an adolescent like wishing that i could like seeing a movie and then being like man i want to have a cool bedroom like that you know and the the bedroom i had to work with was very small Mm -hmm. And I just, like, it never, anyway, so that's a fun aspect of this movie. But any, long story short, so the first two, I just, I watched the first one just because I was like, this might be entertaining, and I had it on in the background, sort of did other things, and it's fine. It's not great. It's fine. And the second one I watched out of obligation, like, well, I watched the first one, so I should watch the second one. And once again, it's interesting because it deals with... I wouldn't say it's a great movie, but it deals with things that it deals okay. with things in relationships that you go through when you first start dating people, like when you're young, between like 17 and 20, and you're sort of dating around and realizing what dating is like. But I just recently watched the third one. Once Wait, again, there's three of them. A third. The third one just came out. And I didn't even realize that there was, I was only thought that there was two. I didn't even realize there was a third one. This is my recommendation and it's for the third one. And I put it on once again out of obligation just because I'm like, okay, now I have to watch it because I watched the first two casually. Like I watch them casually. I'm not like glued to the TV. Right. But I think the third one is really good. And I think it's. It deals with honesty in relationships in a way that most teen movies don't. Like the communication between the two lovers um, is lovers superb. <laughs> like I don't know. I thought it was really well done, and it surprised me. So like the girl. So it's basically it's their senior year, and they're they're planning on going to college together. Um, but then, you know, obviously things happen, and like life changes and it's like making the relationship work when they may not go to school together you know but they're very honest like their communication is very open and i feel like 
it's a good model for young women. Like I feel as if a movie like that should have been made when I was like 19, because I think when you're at that age, you sort of don't envision the rest of your life. You only envision what's happening at the moment and you, you know, right. But she was also like very open with him when she wanted something like she, in the middle of the movie, she thought, I don't want to go to Berkeley. I want to go to NYU, which would be a whole country away from him. And she just said to him. Whole country or whole. Oh yeah. Whole country. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking like two different countries. I was like, sweetheart, that's still the United States. (laughs) Okay. Just keep going. But she just came out and said to him, I think I want to go to NYU. Mm -hmm. And she didn't play games with him, you know? Right. And I, I think that's, I don't know, it was really refreshing. I, you know, once again, I don't think it's a great movie, but I think it's really well done because it, it shows that like relationships take honesty and they take work and they're really fun. And when you find somebody that you really love, they're awesome. But that doesn't mean that you're not going to have like decisions that you have to make together. And that doesn't, and that is not going to mean that sometimes being honest is really difficult, but you should still be that way with them. And I just, I don't know. It was so refreshing. It really surprised me. Um, so I think it's worth watching with the caveat that it's, it's not a great movie. I recognize that they're not awesome movies. Like they're, they're like way better than the kissing booth movies. Way, 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 100 million times better than the kissing booth. But I don't know how they couldn't be better yeah. than the kissing booth, honestly. Yeah. I mean, well, I wouldn't have watched all three of them if they were as bad as the kissing booth. Like, the only reason we watched the kissing booth once because it was so bad, I couldn't not watch how bad it was. But these movies are, I don't know. The third one, I think, is has some strengths in it that I wasn't expecting and i just really liked the honesty in their communication they didn't play games with each other they loved each other they spoke you know they had pitfalls and they had things that happened to them that they had to work through but i i don't know the lack of games was really impressive to me i guess well i think that's probably i mean unfortunately pretty unique as far as like teen movies go Mm -hmm. because i think a lot of teen movies are like like it's it's always like the girl who's going to her girlfriends and she's like, ah, Jared said this and blah, blah, blah. And the girlfriends are like, well, don't tell him how you feel. Like, don't tell him. Don't say it. Just let it go. And it's like the reality of it is, is that he, this guy doesn't know how to fix the issue if you don't tell him what's wrong, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's Yeah. So I don't know. It surprised me. I thought it was a refreshing take on a teen romance. And I thought that their love story was believable because they were honest with each other. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. I don't know if I'll, I'll watch them. I probably won't. I... Yeah. I don't think it's like drop everything and watch it, but I just wanted to give it a shout out because I was really impressed, I guess. Yeah, but them showing it. a couple that communicated with each other, which is is rare, like you said, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I totally get it. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, it's like uh, <laughs> like when we were we decided that we were gonna do the kissing booth. You were like, or no, no, no. When the kissing booth, the second one came out, you were like, oh, I can't believe I'm gonna watch this stupid movie. And I'm like, you don't <laughs> have to watch it. You're like, no, I'm gonna. <laughs> it. 
I just I just knew how terrible it was, and I had to see how much more terrible <laughs> and they were going to make it. Did not disappoint as far as the terribleness. Yeah, and it's just I've I've talked about the trope. I'm just going back and forth, but I've talked about the trope before that really bothers me, where you know things would just be fine if they would just talk to each other, right? And that's where to all the boys I've loved before is set apart because the communication is better than most teen or better than most like romantic comedies I think but better than most teen romances and definitely better than the kissing booth which is just a, a, uh, an abomination <laughs> like, it's so problematic yeah <laughs> that's like the the one episode I listened to um when I just need something like light to listen to because it's such a funny episode that like if I'm ever I'm like oh I think I'm just gonna listen to our kissing booth episode because it always makes me laugh yep. the movie is so terrible I'm so excited <laughs> for the third one <laughs> I I'm saying that because I know it's gonna be bad I have I harbor no secret enjoyment of these movies like you know how <laughs> you and I joke sometimes we're like I hate how much I love it these movies I actually dislike so badly there's no secret enjoyment <laughs> they make me angry and i watch them because they make me so angry and i have to see what the youth of america is learning <laughs> watching these awful movies that should never be made you know what it is though it's the enjoyment of being angry and getting to rant about it that's maybe. what it is yeah yeah maybe the enjoyment just comes yeah. yeah from feeling like i have a high ground when i watch <laughs> yeah, these movies yes. yeah 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 because then we get to talk about it we get to bitch about it and it's like and it's great because we can just tear into it and that's what makes it so fun yeah and in the thing about the kissing booth which one more comment and then anybody listening should just listen to our episode about it but <laughs> the boy the the love interest the boy love interest and he's a boy for sure. He's not a man because yeah. he has so many problems. He's he a has boy. a third nipple. He's got a third nipple. <laughs> Lena, Lena, I'm coming. <laughs> One minute. <laughs> anyway, he's just like he's abusive and like he's he has like anger issues. And the boy, the boy slash on the verge of becoming a man in the to all the boys I've loved before is such a better example of a good boyfriend like do not put the boy from the kissing booth up as somebody that women should try to model their boyfriends after i it's not healthy or wise but i'm impressed because the guy the boy i'll call him a guy because he's still young he's not quite a man yet but the guy in the to all the boys i've loved before is like caring and he's still he's not like neutered like men in the hallmark movies are neutered he's he's still like a guy but he's like caring and he's like a normal human being who treats his girlfriend with respect like you should want to date like we right, all right, date right. you know like i don't date jerks i date right. good guys and that's right. i like that the movie showed him being a good guy and not like noah right. who's abusive you know so he's like the human version of edward cullen yeah and Edward Cullen is kind of neutered, I think. Like, I, you know, like there's something wrong with a character who's obsessed with their love interest. And I think yeah, that that's yeah. 
That's a weird think, desire. Oh, you think like breaking into someone's room in the middle of the night and watching them sleep is obsessive? <laughs> I thought that that yeah. was totally healthy and normal. <laughs> well, and he says in the movies, like, you're my own personal brand of heroin. Mm-hmm. Like, which when you're like 13 years old and you're a girl, like, that's what you dream about. That's what you think relationships are going to be like right. until you get older and you're like, oh, wait a second. No, I, I don't want to date a psycho you know like who wants to like use my toothbrush and you know so anyway that's my I think this so I'm gonna do my mini topic but I think that um the love interest in Belle is an excellent example of what a man should be like (laughs) Yeah. yeah 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 So, you want me to do my mini topic? I want you to do your mini topic. Girl. Okay. (laughs) So, I did my mini topic on Alice Roosevelt Longworth. (gasps) Oh, I've heard about her. I think the dollop (laughs) did an episode about her, right? Uh, Maybe. I don't know. I never listened to it. Did it? Okay. So, I was like, I don't know. It's like on Pinterest or something and then something popped up about her. And she was like a total wild child, right? Mm -hmm. So I wanted to look into her and I was like, and I thought that she'd be a really fun mini topic because um, I had a a lot of fun casting this role and I even kind of made like two different casts for her. So yeah, because I, well, so I'll get into it. So she's the eldest child of Theodore Roosevelt that everyone knows Teddy Roosevelt is. And her mom, Alice Hathaway, had died like a couple days after giving birth from kidney failure. And because of this, Theodore was so upset by it that he like rarely spoke her name. So he called his daughter Baby Lee, because that's her middle name, Alice Lee Roosevelt Longworth. Anyway, um, so because he, you know, he's like a man of the times or whatever, he decided that he was going to go and he was going to travel and like live on his ranch. And he left his, his daughter, Alice, with his sister, Anna, also known as Bammy. So Bammy was, sounds like she was one badass chick because Alice said that if, if Bammy had been born a man, that she would have been president. So she was like, so, like, you know, the Roosevelts are, like, these these tough people, and I really dig it. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so Theodore, he, he got married once again, and he moved it so he could, like, move Alice back home because during that time, this was, like, the early 1900s, um, it was pretty, I think it was, you know, like, men didn't really take care of the children. It was, like, a woman's job, you know? So he married a woman named Edith, and... Um, they ended up having like five children. So Alice had five half siblings and Edith sounds like a bitch. (laughs) So Edith would always talk about Alice's mom and say that she was beautiful, but she was a childlike fool and she would have bored Theodore to death. And, and Alice and Edith had a lot of tension between the two. And, you know, like Alice really didn't like her, her stepmom. And as Alice was growing up, I think that there was maybe a little bit of jealousy from Edith because um, she, I, 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 like, she's not by any means an ugly woman, but Alice was a very, was a beautiful girl, you know? And I think that she was just so 
self-confident. She was like, you know, really intelligent that Edith was maybe a little bit um, like felt, what's that word? Like, um, I don't know, like threatened by her, I guess. Okay. So anyway, so Alice was known as a rule breaker. She didn't stick to the norms and I'm not going to do her whole story because it, it's a lot, but I am going to do a little bit of it. So during her dad's presidency, the journal de debat in, I'm guessing that's how it's pronounced in Paris, noted that in 15 months, she had attended 407 dinners, 350 balls and 300 parties. She nice. smoked cigarettes in public. She rode in cars with men unsupervised. And she stayed out late partying. And she even had a pet snake named Emily Spinach. <laughs> what year was this? Like, what year so was this? Oh, presidency? so this was actually late, late um, 1800s. So in they had cars? Yeah. Oh. Um, well, I guess so. Oh, guess, yeah. it must be. I just, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> I so, yeah. Because I, so, I envisioned it being like the 1920s for some reason, but okay. No, no, early 1900s. No. Um, so in 1905, along with her father's secretary war, William Howard Taft, she led the American delegation to Japan, Hawaii, China, Philippines, and Korea. And remember, Hawaii wasn't part of the United States until 1959. Because they were, they were like, a, I don't know if you're familiar with their story, but it was like a kingdom. It had like a, a monarchy and everything. Um, anyway, so one time a White House visitor had commented on Alice's frequent interruptions to the Oval Office and Theodore responded, I can either run the country or I can attend to Alice. I cannot possibly do both. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uh, her outspokenness and antics, antics won the hearts of the American people who nicknamed her Princess Alice. And she's just this, like, awesome chick, like, you know, ahead of her time. She wasn't afraid to be who she was. And honestly, there's so, like, she's such an interesting person. I think that this could be a really fun movie, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's, that's what I had written down. So then I'm um, going to tell you who the director, I think, should be. And I think the director should be Sofia Coppola. Actually, of- funnily, when you said, I'm going to tell you who the director should be, in my head, I said, well, she better choose Sofia Coppola. So that's really <laughs> weird. Like, <laughs> we were on the same page and we didn't even know it. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because I was thinking Marie Antoinette. Yeah. Because Marie Antoinette was so, like, fun and, like, pastel that, like, I feel like this would be a perfect movie to do that kind of thing. Big you know? Time. Yeah. And, um... And, like, so the vibe is, like, pretty much like Marie Antoinette without the tragic end. I don't really know the name of the movie. I was thinking either Baby Lee or Princess Alice, but I don't really love either of those. So I like Princess Alice. You like Princess Alice? Yeah, Yeah, especially since, like, Sofia Coppola makes movies a little bit kind of like punk rock. Yeah. So I like the idea of – I like Princess Alice because the juxtaposition is that she's kind of, like – punk rock almost you know she's like that a princess yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I like it too so I um cast the I cast it and I'm gonna tell you um okay so the the so I I think Edith for Edith I think Lena Hattie would be really good oh yeah yeah every time you say Edith this is I'm I'm jumping in with my own thing but do you think anybody named Edith 
ever got serenaded by somebody being like, Edith, Edith. Probably. Right. Probably. <laughs> um, I think Bammy would be great if she was played by Laura Dern. Oh, good. Yes, that's really yeah. good. Right? I love her. Mm-hmm. Um, and for, and I'm going to tell you Theodore Roosevelt last because this is the one I'm most proud of. So for, for Alice Hathaway, so her mom, I think Sarah Gaddon would be good, but like only in paintings and photographs. She was in know. Belle. She was, she played Elizabeth. Oh, oh, good yeah, choice. Like okay. a brunette, a brunette yeah. Sarah Gaddon. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Because she would have been young. Yeah. And she would have been young when she died. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, but so she, you wouldn't actually see her in the movie. She'd just be like in paintings and photographs. Oh, you know what? I am proud of you for not putting in an awkward birth scene at the beginning. Oh of my the God, movie. no. I hate those. You know, I hate those. I hate them as well. Like, I hate, I know. I hate birthing scenes. <laughs> They're, first of all, they're disgusting. I don't want to hear it. And secondly, ew. I just—it <laughs> makes me really—it makes me feel really awkward to like see a woman pretending to be in childbirth. I just—I, yeah. I'm sure I've talked about it before on the podcast. So anyway, yeah. God um, bless you for not up. doing that. Yeah. <laughs> knocked up almost destroyed me. It was so <laughs> disgusting. Like I was like, I oh, wanted, show- like I wanted to die. I was like, just fucking murder me. Just it kill me. It shows like- the baby crowning, which is so gross. Well, and it was like real footage of a woman giving birth. I read it that was? somewhere. Yeah, oh, I apparently. thought it was like a model. Oh, that seems <sighs> weirder. Which so gross. One time when I was in. When I was in junior high, they showed us a video of a woman giving birth in like sex ed class. And I remember being at home saying something to my, like just talking casually to my parents. And I said like, we had to watch a baby get born today. And it was horrific. And my dad was like, well, looks like you've been away from the farm for too long. (laughs) Like they were like offended that I was grossed out by it. And I thought just because that's how life is brought into the world doesn't mean it's pretty. Like, you know, because there's... (laughs) And my teacher, my teacher at the time said, you know, you guys are going to probably think that this is, is gross, but it's one of the most beautiful things. And I thought like, no, No. I've seen beautiful things before. This can be gross. It doesn't have to be beautiful. It's not beautiful. It's disgusting. (laughs) I'm okay. I, to all our listeners out there, um, before you judge me too quickly, there is a fear of like pregnancy, like a real phobia of pregnancy that I 100% have. Like, I like I think pregnancy is disgusting. I think everything about it is gross. Like the only thing that's cute about pregnancy is when it's like kitties that are pregnant. But humans, nope. Mm-mm. Like if you make me touch your stomach while you're pregnant, we're not going to be friends anymore. I'm not. I don't kidding. think pregnant women make people touch their stomach. I'm like I don't want to fucking feel your baby kick. Ew. And if I see like a baby's hand press against the wall of the stomach, it's over. We're done. <laughs> like I'm gonna just burn myself to death. I just want to. Jeez! Oh my god! I just want to clarify that I don't think pregnancy is gross in the slightest. I just think that giving birth is like put on a pedestal in movies sometimes, and adults in my life when I was a kid seemed to think that it was like more beautiful than it was, and that part I have issues with. But I don't think pregnancy is gross at all. Like, there's nothing. It doesn't gross me out. It's big time. I do have a slight phobia because. Like the the idea of giving birth, not not like the grossness, but just the pain of it. I do have a slight phobia about that. Yeah, well, I think that's but, pretty normal. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not. I'm. I I 
can appreciate how much you hate it, but I don't, <laughs> I don't hate it like you do. So. I hate it. Like I, I don't want kids. I don't want, nope, don't. Anyway. Um, so I, as I said, I chose two different, I was so, okay. The first actress I chose for Alice, I chose a young Alice and it's Millie Bobby Brown. And then yes. the, that's the older good. one is Gemma Arterton. Oh yeah, that's really good. Well, but then I started thinking more about it and I was like, I think I can do better. Oh. So I chose Elle Fanning for a younger Alice and then Natalie Dormer for her older version. And I like that a lot more. Cause I'm, I'm a, I like Natalie Dormer a lot and I think she's really fun. Yeah. I'm not as big of a fan as Natalie Dormer, I think I like Gemma Arterton better, but okay. I can see why you chose Natalie Dormer yeah. because she yeah. is very like independent and mm-hmm. sure of herself. Yeah. I love her. Um, and then Theodore Roosevelt is Nick Offerman. <laughs> yes. Isn't he perfect? perfect. I, I love it. There was like no question. He was the first one that I cast because I was like Theodore Roosevelt. Well, that's obviously going to be Nick Offerman. <laughs> like it that's was amazing. Like, there I was love no that. doubt in my mind. Like, and I knew immediately who he. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Great yep. choice. Great choice. Thanks. So that's like it. it. That's my. That's my story. I like it. I think. I think Millie Bobby Brown is a better choice as well i i have to say i think so too mm-hmm. um i think i really like l fanning but i think i like millie bobby brown a little bit more yeah i think she has like an internal toughness and spunk yeah. that's yeah yeah it's really good yeah yeah i yeah i can see both women doing yeah. the part for sure that's yeah. fun that's a good i think that would be a good story i agree with you because I originally was going to do Anya Taylor-Joy, but oh, she doesn't okay. really look like Natalie Dormer. That was yeah. the problem. Yeah. And she doesn't seem quite as, um, I mean, I've only seen her in The Queen's Gambit. And, but so judging from her performance in that, she seems more maybe subdued and less, um, less wild than the part might call for. Like her style might right. be slightly more like a little bit more classy. Right. To use yeah. that word. Not that Alice Roosevelt wasn't classy, but you know. She was classy in a wild way. Yeah. So yeah. that's interesting. That's good. Good choice. That's a good Thanks. story. I that would be I hope they make that into a movie. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right. I've been killing it lately. <laughs> you, you totally have. Totally. Anyway. Oh my gosh. Do you want to talk about the movie? I do. So what did you think of the movie? I love this movie. Um, and there's a memory of this movie I have that's inevitably tied with the movie and it's you and I watched this movie for the first time we saw it the first time either of us either of us saw it we saw it together we rented it and we were watching it and I have very clear vision of when they're in the carriage and Mr. Devinier says, I love her. I love her with every fiber of my being. You and I, like, we geeked out like two 14-year-old girls who just got, like, winked at by, like, a pop sensation or something. <laughs> we were, like, 
we were like, oh my gosh, you guys are the Zodiacs! <laughs> and I always remember that because it's, I don't know if I've ever audibly geeked out with somebody after a movie scene quite that much. It was like, <laughs> like the stars were aligned. And I always think of that because we watched it together and, and we were like so excited. So it was I, such a great scene. <laughs> yeah. So I love this movie. I think this movie is, is gorgeous and it's a great story and it's sad and beautiful and lovely so what do you think (laughs) i loved it i love it i think it's a fantastic movie i think it's beautifully done at the end i was crying like for probably like i was sitting there just watching the credits and i was just crying just like (laughs) like it was it's it's a beautiful movie and it touches on a lot of, you know, subjects that are still very relevant to this day, you know, about racism and everything. So it's, I think it's a very relevant film as far as, as even though it takes place in the 1700s, I think it's still a very important film. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's, it's, it's so good. It's just so good. It's like fantastic. So let's start talking about it, shall we? Okay. <laughs> so, you know, Dido, who's played by Gugu Mbatha-Ra, had a white father and a black mother, right? Mm-hmm. And she was brought by her father to, who was a captain in the, it was like the Navy, and to his uncle's place so that his uncle could take care of her while he had to leave on his duty, um, which unfortunately he passed away during but that was not until years later. But like the immediate reaction that they had to the fact that she was not like a, like she was half black, half white was like, you know, like this whole movie, I'm just like, what's the big deal about her not being fully white? And I understand that at that time that was a big deal, but like, seeing it from the perspective of someone who has lived in the 21st century it's it's like i'm like what why you know and and it's it's like absurd to me how different they treat her like she can't even sit on the same table with them while they're eating because it's not like appropriate or it's not proper or whatever and i find that behavior disgusting that they would make her do that you know And I know, again, it's a different time, but it's just like, it's so, it's just bizarre to me. Like, it's just bizarre, this kind of world that was constructed or that we, you know, we as humans used to live in. And it's very upsetting that this is the kind of environment that this woman, this poor woman had to grow up in, who is, you know, is really like a victim of the circumstances of her birth and it's not her fault at all and it's it's a it's just such an interesting movie so that's how I feel about it yeah something that I really like about the movie and I I think there's a really interesting subtext is um her I guess they call him papa but he's like her uncle or great uncle or something the one who's her like he basically takes care of her that's her father brings her to the estate of this man and 
his he's played by Tom Wilkinson and Lord Mansfield. Lord Mansfield, yes. For some reason, this Google list that I brought up doesn't have his character name on it. For I don't know why, but so Lord Mansfield, played by Tom Wilkinson, and something I really like is that you can see that there's always with him almost an internal struggle fighting for these feelings he has for Dido. He loves her like a daughter. Mm -hmm. He says later in the movie, like his wife says, do you love her? And he says, as if she was born from you or I, like Dido is a daughter to him. And right. So he's war. He's constantly at war with the conventions of the time and his love for Dido. And I think that that's really interesting because I think that we as humans so easily get caught up in the tide of the moment that it's really hard to defiantly turn against it. Right. So we try to find ways to like concessions to be like, I can have one foot in both worlds and I can still satisfy everyone. And I think that the the constant struggle that he and he was going through was that exact thing where he wanted, he was like, the chief justice of England or or Britain. So he was like the highest position of law. Right. And, but he also had this, this daughter who um, for the time, like you said, was sort of like a victim of her birth. Like she's half black, half white. And the convention of the time judged black people to be less than human. And that's so sad, but he had firsthand firsthand experience raising this woman who is like a beautiful bright intelligent woman and he saw her as a human being saw her as his own child whereas society the society around him was like no you're crazy you're wrong there are standards that we have to live by and i he was constantly in this like struggle of like what do I, where do i plant my flag and i think that a lot of the movie he planted his flag in the wrong area like yeah he took care of her but he still wouldn't let her dine with the family when guests were over and he told her that she probably would never make an advantageous match so she couldn't get married so he was gonna make her like let her take care of the grounds at the at the estate they lived in like like her aunt who was a spinster you know right like, you know like your lot in life is to be a spinster nobody wants you i love you but society says you're not human so i think like for most of the movie he was playing both sides in a in a bad way and then at the end of the movie it kind of feels like like his eyes were kind of opened like you know i've been you know and and i like that journey of him because i think it would be hard because yeah. the economy was so tightly wound around the slave trade that to rule in favor of the insurers in the court case that we'll talk about would have been to basically like start to try like to start toppling the economy almost like so right. it, it wasn't an easy decision he had to make and I don't know, like seeing slaves as human would have caused the whole economy to collapse at that time. And so I think that a lot of people were living with like this blindness. Right, right. And it's really sad. Like if you want to, if you want to 
like feel disgusted you should read the wiki wiki page about the zong the slave ship that they talk about in the movie oh i should have read that it's it's so distressing like yeah. and and that's just one instance of atrocities that happened during the slave trade and slavery but yeah it's so maybe we should i'm just gonna say like so the movie like part of the movie a, a lot of the backdrop is this infamous real life case of a slave ship who um the people on the slave ship threw most of the slaves overboard right and tried to, because they were sick and weak and they wouldn't fetch a good price when they got to the place that they were going to sell them as slaves so they threw them overboard and they obviously died in the water they weren't dead when they threw them overboard and then they tried to uh, file a claim with their insurers to say that the cargo had to be jettisoned because the rest of the crew was in danger but yeah because they didn't have enough water yeah but in yeah. reality they threw them over to commit insurance fraud because the 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 slaves were ill because they tightly packed their ship yeah and that is more like um that's something that insurance wouldn't cover for at right. the time and and so the backdrop of the movie is the debate on should well human and beings i think it's important to note too that the um the slave traders knew that packing the slaves in so tightly was a dangerous thing to do but they still did it anyway because they wanted to make money right, right. sure yeah. of course yeah yeah that's a good point and so one of the themes throughout the movie is a so any oh sorry so lord mansfield is presiding over this case to determine are the slave traders right should they be reimbursed for throwing the slaves overboard or are the insurers right to not pay because it wasn't actually an insurance loss and one of the themes in the movie is a should people be called cargo like they're human right. beings it's right. murder you know and b like the slave trade is just wrong like should we be enslaving people you know so that's like sort of a backdrop to the main storyline and yeah it's it's a pretty horrific story but in the end he ruled in favor of the insurers and said you know what happened was wrong and the insurers do not need to pay for this loss because throwing over the slaves was wrong the humans human beings yeah, that was that was such an emotional scene like dido's like sitting in the in the uh or not sitting but she's in the um what is it the balcony area and she's like watching this whole thing and and it, it's i mean the whole movie is very much relying on the viewer's sense of like what is right and what is wrong it's a very emotional film because I mean, I think anyone who has any sort of sense of morality would be deeply affected by the fact that a bunch of people were killed because this, you know, group of white dudes were like, well, we can just make more money if we just, you know, commit insurance fraud instead, you know? So uh, I, I think it's, I think it's a fantastic film because it doesn't just talk about how Belle is struggling or not Belle, but I mean, her, her name is Belle, but Dido, how Dido is struggling with coming to terms with the reality of her situation. And then on top of that, she's, you know, realizing that there's like, she's kind of like realizing that there's like this whole other bigger issue happening outside of her own 
you know, her own life. And it's, it's something that as a person of color, this is deeply affecting her because why wouldn't it, you know, I mean, I would hope it would. And I just, I fucking love this movie. Like it's so good. And I, I love the relationship between Elizabeth or Bet as she calls her and Dido that they're like sisters and that they, they very much love each other. And, um, I also have to say that I don't think I've ever seen Tom Felton in a role where he wasn't like kind of racist or like um, prejudice against a group of people because he was in Harry Potter and he was like really prejudiced against people who had like muggle blood and wizard blood. So um, and then I also I think I've only seen him in like three things other than the Harry Potters, which I'm just counting as one because it's a series. But um and then he was in, what was it, that James Franco, Planet of the Apes one? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The Rise mm-hmm. of the Apes, yeah. And he was a total dick in that one, too. And, I, and I'm like, and I... I, I mean, forgot I, he was in that. At like, the, at, like, the Chimp Sanctuary or whatever? Or yeah. Like, yeah, I forgot yeah. that he was in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, everyone knows that I don't like James Franco. This was before I realized how much I didn't like James Franco, so... I think you should really excuse me of that. <laughs> of what? Of seeing a James Franco movie. Oh, yeah. wow. So you wouldn't even see a movie that he was in? No, I won't see. I won't watch a James Franco movie if he's in it. Hmm. Yeah, I really dislike him. I. Okay. You know how I had that feeling about Army Hammer. I didn't like Army Hammer. And then all that information came to light. And I couldn't figure out why I didn't like Army Hammer. But I just knew that I didn't like him. Mark my words. Something is going to happen with James Franco. Something is going to come to light that's going to make him an ultra creep. Just like Jared Leto and just like Army Hammer. (laughs) Like I just feel it in my soul i feel it in my soul that he is not who you think everyone thinks he is i don't think he's a good guy there's something like my gut feeling says that james franco is not a good person i don't know what it is but i i can't shake it you heard it here first lauren (laughs) is making a prophetic prediction i am I'm making a prophetic <laughs> prediction. I like okay. him. I like James Franco. I I just I can't. I can't deal with him. Just can't deal with anyway. Well, so um when they first introduced Mr. Devinier and which what did you call him again? Oh, I said Divine Devinier. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> anyway, um so when they first introduced him and um there is a woman or there's like a servant that comes to dido and tells her that the food is ready in the ladies parlor in front of mr divinier there was like this clear moment where it was something that was very like humiliating for dido you know and um and he could see like right away that the it's like unfairness or um it was obviously very humiliating for her. And there was such a difference between, you know, how like Elizabeth was treated, who was essentially in the same, you know, she was kind of like in the same place that Dido was, you know, as far as like her, um, 
her rank or whatever, but because she was white, she was allowed to sit with the family and eat and Dido wasn't. And I, 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 it's, you know, I think it's, it's obvious, like maybe like if that situation, I wonder if that situation hadn't happened and if he hadn't seen that, if they would have ended up falling in love with each other. You know what I mean? Because I feel like that was kind of like the trigger for like this big snowball of of her wanting to help him out with the whole um the zong ship and everything and then him realizing like she's being treated unfairly in her own life you know you know what i mean like i think it was i think it was a big moment that really connected them it was a very subtle moment but it was enough where he understood that she is despite her position in life and you know i mean she's richer and better and well more well off than he is but because of her the color of her skin she's mistreated and even by her family you know what i mean yeah that's interesting i kind of assumed that he was attracted to her like brightness like yeah. she's very intelligent and she was interested in things that a lot of the ladies in her same position probably wouldn't be interested in. Right. And she asked him the truth about the Zong because she didn't know what was going on. And he told her. And then, yeah, I guess, yeah, his eyes were open that he saw that she was being mistreated by her own family. Like they wouldn't even stand up for her. You know, like, because I, I think, like, Lord Mansfield, like I said earlier, like, if he would have just boldly and confidently been like, this is one of my daughters, she eats with us at dinner, who's going to question him? Like, everyone right. would fall in line because he was, like, higher than most people, you know? And and so I think, like, he was afraid. And like I said, like, people at the time had blinders on where they knew this wrong thing was happening, but it was lining their pocketbooks, so they just let it go. And he was afraid of society, so he wouldn't let her eat with him. And that's humiliating probably every time she has to eat away, but then more humiliating. And like you said, that this man saw it firsthand. And yeah, I think it did sort of like unite them a little bit yeah. because I think he was, I think he was attracted to her intelligence more so than, than um, maybe what he saw of her like the unequalness in the household i think he was probably just like drawn to to just the fact that she was like curious and right right and i, um, I yeah yeah i mean there's i i can imagine how isolating it must be to be dido because at one point she says well i'm like i'm too high of a rank to eat with the servants but i'm too low of a rank to eat with my family yeah so it's like here she is alone in this massive house and the only like she can't just spend time with her family at a totally normal event of having dinner with them with and, company i think she ate dinner with them like alone but when there was company over that's when she couldn't eat with them but when mr Devinier was there he was leaving and they they didn't have company over then oh you're right yeah no i don't think she ever because well, she ate breakfast with them that's why i was yeah she was eating breakfast with them in london um but i don't think that she 
by the way, I think the interior of the house in London was the same interior that was used in the movie What a Girl Wants. <laughs> really? Yes. Because there's a massive mural that's like right near the stairs. It, it's either What a Girl Wants or um, Austin Land. It could be both. Oh. It could be both. But I remember, because I remember seeing that when I saw that the first time, I was like, that looks really familiar. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure that they use the same interior. Obviously, they didn't use the same exterior because the exterior is like an enormous mansion in What a Girl Wants. But um, yeah, I think that they use the same interior for either like all three of those movies or at least wow. two of them. Yeah. Isn't interesting. that interesting? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't like don't take my word for it 100 percent. i don't know 100 percent. i just have a feeling well i was you just I mean? making a very large bet on interiorbetting.com oh, were you <laughs> so i'm gonna be out a lot of money if you were wrong because <laughs> well <laughs> movie interior betting betting.com <laughs> oh i've never heard of that place well betting.com I guess this could be called insider trading. I don't know. Am I getting oh, it? Oh, wow. Inside trading? Oh, mm. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. But yeah, we should mention that she, her father, when her father died, when Dido's father died, he claimed her as a child and left yeah. her a large inheritance. So it legitimized her place in society. Yeah. And Elizabeth... Um, I looked up how much she's, so she's supposed to get $2,000 a year. 2,000 pounds. today's money, that's like $76,000. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, like that, that's a, that's a good chunk of change though. Like that's not, you know. I would um, take $76,000 a year. Oh, fuck yeah. Me too. Are you kidding? Actually, 76,000 pounds a year, which is even I even think more. even more. Yeah, yeah you're when, right. When uh, in American dollars. But um in Elizabeth, the other charge, the other her her cousin sister, um her father her mother died when she was after she was born and her father remarried and his new wife sort of seduced his mind and he sort of like abandoned Elizabeth. Yeah. And he had a new child. And so Elizabeth wasn't really getting an inheritance. She didn't have a dowry or anything. And so that I kind of wanted to talk about Elizabeth's story. We can talk about it in a little bit. But um, so that's where let's they. Talk, let's talk about it now if you want to well, talk about it. I think Elizabeth's story is so sad. Oh, yeah, me too. It's heart. It's heartbreaking because here's the society. I mean, this is the society in this movie has so many problems because, and there's another, there's all kinds of things that I noticed in this movie. I've seen it maybe twice before this, but I noticed things in this movie that I never noticed before. And I'll get to that in a minute. But what I wanted to talk about was Elizabeth first, but about this society. So the society, A, obviously they have an issue because they see black people, people of color as less than human. So that's already a problem. B, they have this like ridiculous class system where if you don't make a certain amount or if you have the wrong career, you're not, you know, you're not the right society. And C, women are only like women are valuable only if they bring a dowry into a marriage and women cannot have jobs. They can't make money for themselves. And basically 
there is great potential for them to be misused by men. And Elizabeth is a great example of a woman who just is misused by her own father. Like he won't even help her with anything. And so when all these men that are like these suitors that come up to her, find out she has no dowry, nobody's interested. Right. And it's so sad. And there's that scene where she's crying to Dido and she says, why do they always do that? And Dido says, why do they always do what? And she goes, why do men always leave and never come back? And that's just so heartbreaking. And it's, it's so hard to watch. And, and she really, I don't know. I, it's, it's a, such a sad story. Well, and I want to talk about too, on the same vein with, um, with James Ashford, who's played by Tom Felton, who's the biggest piece of shit on the planet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he's like, at one point, he totally assaults Dido um, in the garden, which was an incredibly creepy scene where he's like touching her mouth and everything. And it was like, it was so obviously like, you're worth so much less than me. Like that's, exce- like, that's essentially what his actions were saying to her. And then he started saying how um, he was never planning on marrying Elizabeth, but she was, she was like good to have fun with at the time. So it's like what you said, where there is a very large chance of a man misusing a woman. And that is the perfect case of that, where he's just like, oh, she's entertainment for now, but she's never going to be more than that. And it was like, this is a person you're talking about. And I find like what you said with it it being so upsetting that these women, their only reliance is on finding a good match. So what if this good match is a horrible, awful, abusive, manipulative person? And I'm assuming at the time that divorce was pretty looked down upon. So then you're pretty much stuck with this guy. And it's like, it's, it's like, so Dido's lucky in that if she decides that she doesn't want to marry someone, then she doesn't have to because she has the money to be on her own. But it's like, but not being married at that time was kind of like also seen as like being like almost like a freak, you know, because Lady Mary wasn't married and, um, Everyone was just like, oh, well, she's a spinster. But it's like, well, you know what? But she's living her own life. She's not living it under the control of of a man. She's like, she may not have everything that she wants, but at least she's free, you know? I mean, at least she's got her own kind of freedom. and, And it's very upsetting that this is, that essentially like a woman's only worth during this time is like what they can produce you know? And, and if you can't produce a child, well then you're kind of worthless. And it's just like, what the fuck? Where, where did, like, how did we get there? You know, how did we get, I know how we got there, but you know what I mean? Like it's, 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 it's like a really disgusting way again. And this is such an, a, a huge part of the story as such an underlying theme of the story is that it, that, like unless you're like a white man man you're not worth the amount that a human being is worth your your worth is literally less than a human being because you don't have money 
or you are black or you are mixed race or whatever, or you're a woman. Like it's like, I had so many feelings while I was watching this movie, like going from like disgust and anger and and a lot of anger and like then you know like at the end I was crying because I was like oh my god everything worked out <laughs> you know and so um it it's it it really puts you on a roller coaster of emotion and how absolutely unfair this world is to anyone who doesn't have the fortune of being a rich white man in it it's kind of almost like a little bit like the way it is today crazy enough anyway yeah yeah, (laughs) i'm not bitter or anything (laughs) i think i have to disagree with you slightly about lady mary and that's one of the stories that i noticed this time around that i never noticed before and i don't think she's liberated and independent because she talks there's a very brief scene that I had to rewind and it only comes up twice. And one of the scenes was Mr. Devinier and Lord Mansfield are riding their horses back to the house. And Lady Mary says, a man like Mr. Devinier, I set my sights on a man like Mr. Devinier when I was young, he was very idealistic and she was sort of wistful about it. Mm-hmm. And then she said, of course my mother intervened. And then later in the movie, very, very briefly, Elizabeth says to Lady Mary, whatever happened to your, your gentleman, Mr. Whatever happened to your gentleman, Lady Mary? And Lady Mary says, he never married and he died of an illness a few years back. So Lady Mary was in love with somebody, but her parents wouldn't let them marry. And they right. both are going to die. He died alone and she's going to die alone. And I don't think... I don't think she's like independent and free. I think she's just as much a prisoner of this society as anybody else. And imagine how her life could have been different if she had been allowed to marry this guy. Like, I mean, if, if the movie had had her character be like, I never wanted to marry. I'm proud being by myself. Then yeah, I would say she's, she's not, um, she's not, enslaved by the society she's in but that's not the story the movie says the movie implies that she had a dream at one time and that was stolen from her and and she is now resigned to being a spinster living in somebody else's house taking care of the house and raising these little girls as a governess would and and i think that 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 actually made me so so sad when she said that he died alone he never married they could have married each other and had a family. They could have had a life. Yeah. And, and, and they couldn't because the society they live in is so structured and so, um, like, controlling that it, yeah. didn't, it didn't work out for them. And, and I, I think every aspect of this movie has a sadness to it that I didn't notice the first time I viewed it because I was a little bit like like taken up by the love story of Dido and Mr. Devinier, which is a beautiful story. But at the same time, there's just like, I don't know, so much sadness. Yeah, you make, okay. So I kind of want to take back what I said because I think you're, you're totally spot on with that. It's, um, I guess you're right that she really didn't have the, 
like she didn't she didn't get what she wanted and at the end of the day it's like this whole movie just like like I'm feeling like my throat's feeling filled with like emotion right now you know what I mean (laughs) like I'm getting like emotional just talking about this movie because you're right she has a really sad story too and I'm sure that she didn't want to raise children that weren't her own you know Mm -hmm. um I'm sure that she wanted to have kids and to you know wake up every morning to the man that she loved and now she doesn't have that and she likely won't at this point in her life it's yeah it's yeah just a very you're right there's a lot there's a lot of sadness in this film that has to do with kind of like um missed opportunities or misconnections you know and and just the inability to stand up for what you believe in like exactly I know it's romantic it's romantic to think about like two lovers like running away with each other but the reality of that situation is that would have been a very hard life so I I'm sure most people just didn't do it for that reason and so yeah I just but I I also think like Lord Mansfield just not having the backbone to stand up to society and let Dido eat with them even. And, and so, yeah, I don't, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it seems like it was an interesting and difficult time to be alive. Yeah. In terms of the, the social and political atmosphere, especially a tough time to be a woman or a person of color, like you, like exactly like you said, so I think you made good points because like the world did not cater to anybody except the like upper class white men. Yep. You were mm-hmm. absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause even, um, you know, Mr. Mr. Divinier, Divinier is like, uh, the son of a, what was it? Like a preacher or something or yeah, they, a vicar or whatever. He was a son of a clergy and I didn't really understand the social status of that, but they, and Jane Austen sort of alludes to this in her stories as well, where like, I guess the clergy were viewed as like not, like the clergy were worthy to like dine with the families, but marrying a member of the clergy or a, the son of a member of the clergy, or like, and Mr. Devinier wanted to be a lawyer, but they made that seem like he was like almost reaching beyond his means wanting to do that. And I don't fully understand the levels of why clergy was looked down on so much. Yeah, I don't either. I don't know. It's interesting because like in like in India, I mean, I and please again, take this with a grain of salt because I don't know if this is how it is now, but I know that um Brahmin which were like essentially religious men were like one of the highest caste members. So I think it was like the second highest caste member. I think the first was like a warrior or something. Um I could, again, I could be wrong. (laughs) I could totally be wrong there. So, you know, hey, if I am wrong, call me out on it. Tell me I'm wrong. I'd love to be corrected and know what's really right. Uh, But I think that's interesting that, especially in a time where I feel like religion is very important to a lot of people, you know, Um, not that it's not today, but it it was especially very uh, valued back then to have a you know to go to church and everything and you see them at church a couple times too so 
I don't know. I think that was kind of, I think it was kind of interesting, but I want to talk about the Ashford family because yes, they yes. are garbage. So let's talk about this shitty garbage family. <laughs> yeah. So these are the people that were over when, uh, miss or Lord Mansfield was like, uh, Dido, sorry, can't eat with us. And so she has to eat alone, which but she can join them for coffee after like right after dinner yeah so she like they're okay first of all i want to say there's a couple of things i want to say really quick um this house was gorgeous yeah and their outfits like especially oh. like, mostly what the women were wearing i was like i was like i had like hearts in my eyes i was like oh my god i'm like everything is so pretty and colorful <laughs> you know what i mean if there's two things i love it's costumes and the colonial era costumes i love them i love those dresses yeah i my dream would be to be cast in a movie where i just get to wear those dresses yes even if i'm just in a bunch of party scenes as long as i get to wear a bunch of different dresses like that i'm happy as a clam (laughs) i love i love every bit of the costuming in this movie for the females i mean the males are whatever who cares about those clothes but the females the female socks and like leather shoes like who cares (laughs) yeah like tri-corner hats remember like imagine living in a time when like tri-corner hats were like the casual hat of the day (laughs) weird what a weird hat (laughs) it's so funny how like, I think about this all the time, like how fashion has developed over the years. Like we went from these like corsets that were like so tightly like put on a woman's body that women would literally faint from them. Because, well, their organ like, placement would change. Yeah. And their they, like, bodies changed. In them. <laughs> like, I mean, it was, it was horrible and they were made out of like whalebone. And um, to nowadays, like I go out in my leggings all the time i rarely wear jeans because i love leggings and they're comfortable but that back then that'd be like like i'd be like cast down in the street (laughs) well i mean leggings wouldn't be a thing but you know what i mean but it's it's just so funny how just things have developed and and changed over time and i think it's that the um the like changing of fashion is just such an interesting idea you know what I yeah because like if you could pluck somebody out from this time period and put them now like what would they think of stocking hats they'd be like that is not the hat to wear you want your hat to have at least three corners (laughs) like I don't know just I was just thinking about because they showed them in a pub and in the pub they were like wearing these hats and I'm like if I think like Okay, this is this is like Hopcat downtown, and I'm looking at Hopcat in 1780, and everyone's wearing like high socks and little knickers and tri-corner hats with like coats with big brass buttons. <laughs> like, stop my game <laughs> Look at my big buckled shoes. Aren't they the height of fashion? I'm a skater punk. You can tell because I have I have Van's big buckle shoes <laughs> and my beanie. My, my beanie, beanie has my, three corners. My tricorner hat is is endorsed by Burton snowboards. <laughs> Look okay. at my Oakley bifocals created by Benjamin Franklin Oakley. <laughs> Benjamin Franklin Oakley. I love it. 
Oh man. You know in that scene, okay, so like I'm gonna go off <laughs> I'm gonna go off tangent a little bit. But you know in um Rocky Horror Picture Show where Frank Inferno goes, even my face hurts from smiling. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> like happening right now. I'm like, my cheeks are from smiling. <laughs> 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 to massage my cheeks <laughs> um so okay so let's talk about the garbage family yes i mean the ashford family my the daughter. ashford family <laughs> um so so she so dido's waiting in this this parlor this gorgeous parlor for them and they walk in and like okay so lady ashford first of all is like kind of like the middle piece of trash oliver's the least piece of trash and james is the most piece of trash yes so james I is played by tom felton yes the oldest I brother did not like any of the family members and i didn't like oliver either and because there's a lot of little like well okay so like let me i'm just let me talk about so anyway okay let's lay so it all on the table let's get it yeah. all out there <laughs> yeah so like lady ashford is like First of all, she's, like, all taken aback, like, offended that there's, like, a person who doesn't look exactly like her in, like, this parlor. Um, she's like, like, she can't believe it. Yeah, she and she, her. like, had spread all these rumors, too, and that's what they were saying is that Oliver was whispering that to her, like, oh, you didn't listen to the rumors that you spread. I thing. thought that was a really clever line. <laughs> me too, me too. Actually, I had to rewind that a second because I was like, wait, did he just say what I thought he said? Mm -hmm. And um, so she's, like, hanging out with these people with the Mansfields but she's like oh my goodness lady so-and-so you will not believe what the Mansfields have in their home it's <laughs> a, a girl who is black and white can, can you can you believe it can you believe it <laughs> and everyone's just like oh my god I can't believe it I can't believe lady Ashford what 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 I can't believe it anyway <laughs> so so and then james is standing at the doorway like he's never seen another human being that looks different from him like this fucking goldfish idiot stupid face like, <laughs> like anyway yep yep mm -hmm. that's how i feel about him i will not change my mind about that anyway and then, um, well there's a line where oliver says to james like they're like colluding in the corner staring at her and he's like she's rare and exotic and james is like one does not marry the rare and exotic. Yeah. They taste them on the fields of India or something. Yeah, or something and then like they, that. They get a fine English flower to adorn their home. And I'm like, oh, okay, so known rapist James, who allegedly is a good guy, <laughs> you know, like. No. No. Um, so when he said that, when he's like, you taste them on the fields of whatever, out loud I went, ew, ew. <laughs> it's bad like, it's like, yeah. yeah i was like oh and um but Jane, so oliver is looking at her like she is just like this unique thing to be conquered yeah she's, mm -hmm. she's not a person she's a beautiful young woman who happens to have you know black and white blood in her and that's it and that's that like to him if he conquers her then he's won right or whatever well, yeah and he has this like like he said rare and exotic woman on his arm 
Yeah. Not because he likes her as a person and he wants to get to know her and love her. It's just, it's like, like you said, like he conquered her. Yeah. He has, he has a more interesting looking wife than any of the other English gentry in his circle would have. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's almost like when, like, let's say you get like a new fancy car. Like for some reason, let's say you're super rich enough to get like a Lamborghini and like none of your other friends have a Lamborghini and you're like, look at my Lamborghini. It's Italian. (laughs) Anyway, I'm in like a weird mood today because I had some coffee and I don't, well, I've actually been drinking coffee a lot lately. But anyway, I wrote down this thing that he said. I said, Oliver Ashford keeps saying all these microaggressive racist things, such as saying that it was lucky that she had a dad that was white because he gave her loveliness. Yeah. Did you you notice that? Yep. He said, and I thought there was a direct juxtaposition between him and Mr. DeVinier because Oliver said like, well, you're so, you know, you got loveliness from your white dad and we don't even have to worry about what you got from your black mother because, you know, your whiteness can be better. And then Mr. DeVinier says to her later, a little bit later in the movie, like, what do you know of your mother? And she's like, I don't know anything about her except that she gave me the color of her skin. And he says, well, then, you know, she was beautiful. And so just a direct contrast to like, let's celebrate your mother, not let's be ashamed of your lineage on your mother's side. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, I think that Oliver is a foil for Mr. Devineer. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, I think that Oliver, he's sort of a bad character, but at the same time, I put him in the same category as Lord Mansfield, where he wants to have a foot in both worlds. Like he sees Dido as a person, but he also is a slave to the culture. And if he would just have a backbone and stand up for what is right, maybe he wouldn't say those microaggressions, you know? Right. But he's too much, he's too entwined in the society that he's a part of where they affect his mind too much and he he's blinded. And I, I don't know if it's willful blindness. I think it's more like ignorant blindness. He's just like, well, black people are less than white people. And that's just how he is. Because I think he might've really had affections for her underneath his desire to conquer her. But those affections were subdued just by his desire to conquer her and by the fact that she had a fortune, a large fortune. Because his mom said, you're not allowed to, you can't pursue her. And then they found out he, that Dido had an inheritance and the mom was like, whoa, maybe you can <laughs> pursue her, you know. God, she was the worst. Yeah. So it's funny that you say that because I don't feel that way at all about him. I think he, I think he's without being outrighted, like outrightedly, outrightedly, is that a real word? Whatever. English is a made up language. Don't and you say that. Say, <laughs> Every what? language is made up. <laughs> I know, but I always say it and then it pisses you off and then it kind of makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, anything for your enjoyment, lady. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> I, it's okay. So anyways, I was saying, I, I think it's funny that you say that because I totally disagree with you and I actually view him as not outrightedly, whatever. I don't think it's a real word, but I'm going to use it because it makes sense in the context and English is a made up language. (laughs) I think just outright would work, but. Okay. He's not um, like his brother is where he's uh, aggressive, 
but I do think that he is um, almost as bad as his brother. I think I don't think that. Yeah. He, I well, I think his lack of in. lack of backbone and conviction make him just as bad as bro- as his brother, and his yeah. racist tendencies are really bad as well. Yeah, and I yeah. see the thing about Lord Mansfield is while he is very much caught up in, um, you know, I think keeping, I think he wants to keep himself in the public eye as being a popular figure. But in the end, he makes the choice that is right for humankind. I don't think Oliver would do that. I think he would be like, oh, no, you're right. We're going to, um, we're going to vote in, in, uh, favor of these slave traders. You know, I, yeah, I think you're right. I agree with you. Yeah. I don't get good Mm -hmm. feelings towards Oliver at all. I think he's a bad person. I think that he is, I think that and I, I do agree with you that he may have had real legitimate feelings for Dido, but I don't think it was I don't think it was love as much as it was desire. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I said I might have said love mistakenly because they didn't know each other, so I don't think it was love, but I thought maybe some real affection. Yeah, yeah. But so you you sort of see that as desire. I thought maybe some like maybe like five percent of his emotions were just like actually like on the up and up and not racist and he just generally like had affection for her but they were just clouded but you don't you don't think that i i think he i think it's entirely based on how she looks and i think to him it's like um she's just a fancy new toy that he gets to play with i I can see that and i agree with you i totally agree with you yeah so Mm -hmm. Um, I think that as far as characters go, the Ashford family is a very interesting aspect of the story. And I think that they're very important to the story because it shows, I mean, just how, like when James, uh, assaults Dido in the, in the, um, what do they call it? The pleasure garden? Well, no, the pleasure garden was at night with, when she was talking to Divinity. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's so right. So he assaults her like in broad daylight when they went yeah. to some like picnic or something yeah and i i think that what whereas as as james ashford is an aggressive pig slash maybe rapist we don't know but that wouldn't shock me in any way shape or form i think that um oliver is a lot more controlled in his emotion so i wanted to talk about james a little bit more oh okay because So he, I don't know if he was ever interested in Elizabeth. I think he was interested in her because she was pretty and she probably had a dowry. And so he strung her along. But I don't, I don't think she had a dowry. No, that's what I was getting at. So he strung her along and then Lady Mansfield told James's mother that there was no dowry. And then he immediately stopped visiting her. Yeah. And Elizabeth was just like waiting and waiting and waiting for him i know and i thought that was a really sad it was just it was just a really sad story you know she just thought like and lady mansfield was like we have to go make some visit house visits to some gentlemen and she's like well shouldn't we wait for james and everybody in the family is like they know that james isn't interested in her anymore because he found out she doesn't have a dowry but she hasn't gotten through to her yet 
and I think that that's something that everybody does to this day like you like somebody and you want them to like you back so badly and they just don't in that way and and I think that that's a an age-old tale and unfortunately for her the dowry ruled the day you know yeah big time but if it's not a dowry it's always something else you know if you're just not gonna be together and i think that that's a sad story and at the same time dido and oliver got engaged right and so i thought that was just an an interesting contrast of the two of them because dido though she looks black she has an inheritance so the ashford family is okay with her Mm -hmm. whereas elizabeth is white looks like a typical english um, upper class woman but she has no dowry so the ashford family has no use for her and it's like um i don't know like a paradigm shift or a character shift between them like when the when the scene started out with the ashford family this the tables were turned you know and so that just shows how like just two-faced and and awful the ashford family was yeah no they're terrible i mean i think that it's a great thing that Elizabeth didn't marry into that family because yeah. she would have been miserable. And you know, if if James is okay in open daylight assaulting a woman, yeah, what is he gonna be like in the bedroom? What if he wants to have sex with her and she says no? What is he gonna do? You know, like I I don't there's no doubt in my mind that James is a predator and he Well, he is- talked about like raping women, raping slaves. And yeah, he, he grabbed Dido and yeah, so he yeah. is a predator. <laughs> yeah, 100%. It's his, his whole thing was, I'm, I mean, again, I think it was, I think it's an essential part of the story because it just shows the kind of feelings that people have towards Dido. Um, but it like it was so it was scary you know and i knew what was going to happen but i was still like i forgot how aggressive and awful he was to her you know mm-hmm. and nothing happened like he didn't actually do anything but he did like assault her and he touched her mouth which was just well so... he grabbed her vagina i'm pretty sure oh he did i'm almost 100% I don't, I don't think he certain did. the way his hand went and the way she like the way he grabbed onto her after he touched her mouth, I'm almost certain he grabbed her over her skirts. Like obviously. Oh, okay, okay. Like watch oh. the scene again with that in mind because I'm almost I would bet money that that's what he did. I was actually kind of wondering that, so I I think that I agree with you. That was probably what was happening. Yeah. Um. Either way, it was a very because after that deeply inappropriate thing. Yeah. There was something that I wanted to talk about this movie that that scene reminded me of that I have slight issue with. Okay. And there was some really, like, there were two really weird dialogue moments that were not great. One where she's, like, talking to Mr. Davinier in the pleasure garden, and Mr. Davinier says to her, Dido, we meet at St. James's Pub at 3 p.m. on Thursdays. And she looked at him and she goes, quite and then walks away i have no idea what that line meant unless i misunderstood what he said that makes no sense and it, i don't know what happened and then after james well, wait, ashford can I, 
Well, wait, before you go into the second one, can I tell you what I think it was? Can I tell you my interpretation? I think that to me, what she was saying is, um, I hear you and I understand what you're saying. And if I can get there, I will, but I likely will not be able to. But the word quite? Yeah. She could have just said said very well or okay or thank you, but quite? Well, maybe quite means something different in, in English slang. You know, like, because cause I like, think okay, if I've they're going to introduce, if they're going to introduce like English slang from the 1700s, then they have to use exposition somehow earlier in the movie so that for the viewer to understand it. You can't well, just throw it in. If you want to be historically accurate, that's cool, but you can't just throw it in one scene and then never mention it before or after and just have this nonsensical convert like he should have asked her if she was okay like he should have been like oh dido are you okay uh right so i think it's funny that you you were um because that didn't that that didn't bother me at all i was like okay it makes me feel embarrassed when i see that (laughs) because i i think like nobody somebody signed off on this unless it's very possible i'm misunderstanding what he said and what her reaction could have been i didn't have subtitles on but from what i heard and i've seen the movie more than once that scene seems very unfinished and it doesn't make sense to me and i and i don't know like what the intention of the filmmaker was okay so i just looked at up English slang in British English quite has two different meanings it does mean completely or entirely but it also means fairly or rather when it is used for emphasis with adjectives that cannot be graded quite means completely so it doesn't make it make sense at all no it doesn't um I guess it also means okay so hold on let me I found another one that is um So I guess it can also, let's see, hold on. I guess in, well, okay. So this is a little, (laughs) a little different, but I read this somewhere and I thought that it was interesting that, so in American English, we'll say something like, oh, he's quite cute. And that means very cute. But in British English it means like he's he's cute but he's not like anything special you know so I guess it doesn't really clear things up at all (laughs) the scene doesn't make sense I appreciate you trying but it's it's something I feel like there was something missing in that I mean, scene. she could have been agreeing with him maybe like i completely agree with you i understand quite, but... i understand the sentiment of the scene but her right. response doesn't make sense right and then um, there's another moment of clunky dialogue that makes a little bit more sense but i don't love it is after james um assaults her she said how could you and he says with ease and that makes sense like the dialogue the back and forth grammatically and conversationally makes sense but i just find it awkward and i don't care for it okay i i didn't have problems with it like you did um i i liked i thought that what he said in that scene was perfect like it was very like i don't have to explain myself 
and I don't have to tell you why I did this and I do what I want. And like, and that I like, to me, that was very much like with ease was very much like, um, this just happened and that's it. And there's nothing you can do about yeah. it. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like go marry my brother or whatever. But, uh, there's, I never felt more relieved than when Dido was like, Oliver, this isn't going to work out. We can't get married. I was like, oh my God, thank God. <laughs> thank God. <laughs> I was like, I'm like sitting on my couch going, it's over. It's over. <laughs> you know? like, I'm like, finally. Because, um, yeah, that was just not a good fit. Like, she would have been miserable living with that family. I mean, I can't. I think though, like part of me, I think she would have been miserable. I don't disagree with you, but I think if she hadn't met Mr. Devinier, I think she would have married Oliver and the sad story would have been, she probably would have been miserable, but she would have made the best of it because she'd think I never could have gotten anything else. Like she would have thought that this was the best she could do, but thankfully Mr. Devinier showed up in time to show her that she could be loved yeah. And there was somebody for her and, and that's, you know, like he rescued her from this like humdrumness of just settling because she like, otherwise she would have had to, she told him, she said, either I get married to Mr. Ashford or I have to keep the house like Lady Mary, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and so I think he rescued her from, from that fate, you know, yeah. like, Hey, I see you as my equal you know, I love you. I see you as my equal. I, I like being around you, you know, and I, I love their love story because they get to know each other. And I think that's so beautiful. Like you see their journey and I, and I really love that in a movie. I I think their love story is beautiful too. And he totally respects her and really values her opinion. And I mean, it's, it's just, as you said, it's just so obvious that it's like, he completely sees her as his equal, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that that is even something that isn't like as, as, you know, as widespread as it should be even today, you know? I mean, yeah, I've had my own fucking experiences where I've been in a relationship and someone thought that I was not equal to them, you know? And it's hard. It's hard. And it's heartbreaking because you're like, I am. And they just don't see you as that. And, uh, so having this relationship where she's able to express herself and to do it without fear is so, so refreshing and so important. And, and that's what makes it just so beautiful, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I do have a note that, and I told you that there was a scene where I got emotional, but it wasn't necessarily an emotional scene. And that was the scene where they go to London and Mabel is the servant and she is seeing Dido brush her hair and Mabel goes, do you want me to help you with her hair? And she's like, you have to brush it. You have to start at the bottom. And so she's, um, Dido sitting at like the vanity and she's, and Mabel's brushing her hair and all they're doing is they just smile at each other. And it Mm -hmm. like touched my heart and I was sitting there and I started crying and I was just like, because it's, you know, I mean, Mabel is a black woman and it kind of seems like Dido maybe has not had a lot of experience with other black people in her life, you know? 
I think the implication to me is before she learned about the Zong, the slave ship, the Zong, she probably never encountered a black person that she actually like spoke with. She probably had seen them around. Yeah. But I don't think she ever encountered slavery in her own head even. Like I think the Zong sort of woke her up like, oh my gosh, my experience in life is I'm probably one person out of a million and none of them are experiencing, like they don't have the life of ease that I have. Right. Yeah. Like it's like, like a hair's breadth between me and from between me growing up in this house and being a slave on one of those ships. And I think that her, um, I don't know, it was like a, maybe like an awakening for her realizing like her heritage could have placed her in a, a very different lot in life. And so, yeah, I think you're right. I think that the experience with Mabel was her first like one-on-one experience learning like, oh, like as a, as a person of color, we have a culture, a rich culture, and we have traditions and we have ways of taking care of ourselves that a white family could never show me. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it was, it was a very, as you said, like a culturally important moment to Dido and something that she will probably maybe not even experience again. And it, it, it like, it, it, it really touched me. It it made me, I get, I'm getting emotional, like talking about it right now. Like it, it, it was just so sweet. It was so sweet. And it was just these, this intimate moment between these two women that was totally unspoken, but was just so beautiful, you know? And I, and that scene was probably like one of my favorite scenes because of the subtlety of it and just, yeah, it's, it's just very a wonderful scene. Yeah. It's a great scene. I totally agree with you. I like it as well. It's yeah. very powerful. Yeah. Big time, mm-hmm. big time. Um, Do you have, I have something that I wanted to talk about if you don't have anything pertinent. Yeah, go for it. Um, A scene that I, wanted to bring up and I wanted to be sure to bring up was when Elizabeth Elizabeth and Dido like they sort of fight and Elizabeth is like I think I I I think James is going to be calling any day and Dido is finally like Elizabeth stop James is not coming yeah he and then Dido tried to say to Elizabeth like he assaulted me she didn't use the word assault she said he touched me he touched me and Elizabeth was like, he would never do that. You're beneath him. And I, I thought the scene was interesting because for the, like, for the whole movie, Elizabeth and Dido are sisters, basically, and they love each yeah. other like sisters. But Elizabeth knows that the world sees Dido differently, but she doesn't see Dido differently. But James, she, I think she was willing to compromise on that because she wanted to be with James so badly that she was she knew that he didn't that he disdained Dido because she was black but she but Elizabeth was willing to overlook that i think because she says he would never touch you you're beneath him and Dido was like why am i beneath him and the subtext in that scene was that Elizabeth wanted to say because you're black but she said because you're you're illegitimate and I yeah. love Dido's response, like so perfect. She's like, no, Elizabeth, my father claimed me. Your father didn't claim you. I'm not the one who's illegitimate. Yeah, yeah. And I, I loved her response to that. And, and I was a little bit disappointed that the two of them never had a scene where they apolo- she 
where Elizabeth apologized to Dido. I agree. I would have liked that. It was implied that the relationship was back on solid ground, like things were fences were mend, mended and everything. But I would have liked to see a scene where Elizabeth was like, I spoke out of turn and I was so wrong, but there yeah. wasn't. I, I would have too. Um, I actually wrote that down. And so it's funny that you had mentioned that because I, I said that my view on Elizabeth and Dido's fight is a lot different now that I've grown older. And because when I was younger, when we, I think when we first watched this, which was in 2013. So we've been friends for like a long ass time. <laughs> like but almost a decade. Almost a decade, if not a decade. We have probably been friends for a decade, I think. Well, we were fr- we became friends in November 2012. Oh, so almost a decade. Anyway, um and aren't we going to throw that decade friendship party that we talked about? <laughs> November 2022. So join us. <laughs> 10th anniversary <laughs> friendship party. <laughs> we're gonna what we're gonna do is hire a cruise ship or hire um rent a cruise ship and just so I won't tickets. be on because I hate boats boats. <laughs> oh. Yeah. oh there goes Sam's plan. <laughs> <laughs> what we're gonna do is we're gonna rent a disco. Okay. We're gonna sell tickets to the Lauren and Samantha. 10 years of friendship, a decade of decadence. I love it. <laughs> decade of decadence. Everyone has to dress up in Victorian style clothing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you're just going to come and get your freak on. Yeah. Um, get your freak on. And we're so going to a, a personalized cocktail, obviously. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. What would your personalized cocktail be at the, what, at the party? What would mine be? Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't I don't really know a lot about alcohol because I'm not a big drinker. So that's kind of like I like it. It would be like a girly fruity drink either way. Yeah. Probably you know what? Blue. What? Color. It oh. would be blue. It would be a blue drink. Mm. I don't know how that would happen, but it would be blue. <laughs> we'd get we'd hire a bartender to <laughs> create our drinks for us. <laughs> I obviously have no idea what I'm talking about. So you're saying that we should put bartender in the budget? <laughs> yes, we should probably put a bartender yeah. in the budget. I think that's a good okay. Thing. I like that. Yeah. Um. So okay. Anyway. Oh, I was gonna tell you a story. So I um I was I did an internship with a local radio station in the area when I was in college, and I had fun. I enjoyed doing it, and. But then it started getting to the point where, like, my time was done. I didn't really need to do it anymore, but I just kept doing it because I thought the experience was good. And, but I was, it was like interfering with my actual job. And so I asked them, I was like, you know, would you be able to pay me? Because I can't keep like working fewer hours. And they were like, no, we can't pay you. There's interns that have been here longer. And, and so I was like contemplating, like, do I want to be here? Do I not want to be here? And then they were having like, an erotic costume party for like the the city like like for listeners to come and buy tickets for and one of the djs said to me to me and another female intern he was like okay so for the erotic party you guys have to be there and and that i quit like the next day because i was like i said i can't i can't i didn't tell them that i didn't want to go to the erotic party because i thought that seemed too like super square and like prudish but the idea made me so uncomfortable that I was like, I was on the fence anyway. I'm just going to, and you know, in hindsight, 
Samantha now would have said, I'm not comfortable going. Actually, Samantha now probably would have just gone, but I also think I could have just told them, like, I'm uncomfortable with this. I, I don't want to go. But instead, I was just right. like, I'm on the fence. I'm not going to this. Anyway, the ball that we were throwing at the disco made me think of that. And I hadn't thought of that in a really long time. But I was just so uncomfortable that I was like, this is a good enough time to quit as any, you know. So, like, what kind of outfits were people wearing? I don't know. I didn't go. But um, well, I just, it I would be so- like, you know, like dominatrix outfits and, like, various things like that. They wanted to be like super erotic and I'm sure it was very fun, but I was, I guess I was probably like 23, 22, 23, 24. No, it was, I was 23. Okay. And I was, I don't know. It just, the idea of it, like, I didn't like the idea that I would be forced to go to this thing that I probably would be uncomfortable in. And I didn't have enough of a voice to, like, speak up for myself at the time and say, like, I, I don't think I want to go to this. Right. And I didn't have a costume. Like, I was not body confident anyway. And also, I did not have a costume that, you know, like, I, I don't know. Just the whole thing. Everything about it, like, gave me, gave me, like, a miniature panic attack. So I just said, I can't. I can't be an intern anymore because I have to work to make money to raise my family. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I think that I, at that age would probably have been in the same boat. Um, the age I am now, I'd probably be like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I would go go. now. I would go now. But I mean, like, I've got a lot more life under my belt as well. And I just like feel better about myself than I did at that time. And I've experienced way more than I had at that age and so yeah I would go now and I I would do my job and it would probably be entertaining but at the time like I was I remember like laying awake at night and being like oh my gosh they want me to go to this thing and I was just like freaking out about it (laughs) no I don't blame you I think I would have probably been in the same boat where I'd have been like I'm not comfortable with yeah thank you very much goodbye (laughs) it was a halloween thing that's what it was it was like a halloween erotic costume ball that's what it was yeah because it was right before my birthday like i said so yeah i think i'd wear kitty ears now i'm sure there were kitty ears there probably like handcuffs ball gags any weird number of any i'm gonna gonna, yeah sort of sexy stuff so good good times so um the decade of decadence is going mm-hmm. to also be an erotic party <laughs> oh now you tell me i guess I, I have a year uh i have over a year to work on my erotic costume <laughs> yes don't do kitty ears that's gonna be my thing <laughs> i'm gonna do i'm gonna do all fears for a very specific type of type of eroticism <laughs> i stumbled over my words like so it made the joke less funny, but <laughs> no, I laughed. I thought it was funny. I mean, maybe hobbit good. ears and hobbit feet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all those foot fetish just just out there. Yeah, <laughs> hobbit feet. <laughs> Sexy, elegant hobbit hmm. feet. I got some king spoil over here. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why that's what, but anyway. <laughs> anyway. So about the movie, back to the movie, back to the movie. Um, so 
what were we were talking about Dido and Elizabeth's bite. And I totally agree with you that they I think they should have had um a moment where they got, you know, they reconciled or whatever. Um, but as I was saying is when I was younger, I thought that Elizabeth was a huge bitch. But as I've grown older, I empathize with them both. I yeah. don't necessarily think that her re- I mean, I don't think that what she said was okay, but I also empathize with her reaction because she was very upset and she was hurt and um and you know i mean now her her sister cousin whatever is is better off than she is and it was like that it was kind of like the power not to say the power dynamic but i'm going to call it the power dynamic between them kind of shifted and um i can understand how you know, angry and hurt Elizabeth is because she likes someone and this guy is just like, oh, well, she was just a fun toy, you know, and he didn't say that to her, but now she knows that this man that she was hoping, like, maybe he'll text me, you know, and, and he never texts her. And, and so yeah. pretty much essentially like the 1700s version of ghosting her. Oh, yeah. Big yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. And then Lady Mary's like, oh, she's reading the paper and she's like, James Ashford is engaged to this other woman, you know, and that's sort of like the only makeup scene we get between Dido and Elizabeth because Dido was consoling her. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the scene where Elizabeth is like, why do men leave and not come back? And yeah. Elizabeth. I mean, I just, her story is just so sad. Yeah. Just feeling so abandoned. And she did eventually in, in real life and in the movie, they say that, that she eventually did get married. somebody you know to somebody and and that's what she wanted like i i think it it was a happy ending for both of them and i like that i like that it was a happy ending for both of them yeah they deserved you know i mean Mm -hmm. there's this line that i read on like tumblr that i guess is from like a captain america fan fiction i never read the fan fiction but the line is we deserve a soft epilogue my dear and i love that i think that's really beautiful that Mm kind of reminds me of this so anyway, we should talk more about, well, I don't know. I, I do have one other thing I wanted to say. Yeah, me um, too, but you can go first. Okay. So when Dido is getting the portrait done of her, her and Elizabeth, she, um, there's several scenes throughout the movie where she's looking at portraits that are painted of her family and there's usually a black person in there and the black person is always like lower than the white person like it was yeah it was on um there was a painting that was above the pub that they were at and that had that too and so she'd always like it was never focused on the white person in the painting it was always focused on the black person so you notice this and i think that the painting of her and elizabeth was incredibly significant because in the painting Dido is seen as being a little higher than Elizabeth and it was like to me that was I think a huge moment for Dido when she realizes like I'm seen as equal to my my sister cousin you know um and I thought that that was really beautiful and I loved it. And I'm like, and I like, I guess I knew that that was a real painting, but now I want to look it up. Cause I'm like, maybe I want a little print of that in my apartment. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh yeah. 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 And especially if I look up the story, cause I, 
you know, I mean, I have things in my apartment that mean a lot to me, obviously, obviously, um, <laughs> obviously, wait a second, <laughs> have sense. I been decorating all wrong? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you just go out and you get stuff that means nothing to you. Like I yeah. have a ton of sports memorabilia, even though I hate sports. <laughs> Um, and I have a bunch of signs that say English is a made-up language. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe I won't feel so enraged at home if I actually take them down and decorate with something. Else. Yeah, maybe that's a that's a wild, it's <laughs> a wild concept, my friend. <laughs> um, so anyway, I thought that that was very interesting and significant, and I I loved that. I thought that that was great. So I yeah. liked. I loved it as well, and I really liked how it was a theme throughout the movie where, and I didn't pick up on it initially, the first viewing, I didn't pick up on it, like, the camera would focus on on the black person in the paintings, and you could see clearly that they were always lower, and they were always depicted as servants in the paintings, lower and also servants, and she was so mad at Lord Mansfield that he was going to have a painting done, and and Mr. Devinier is like, don't most women like to have their paintings done, you know? And she's like, you know, shut up. You don't understand. And she didn't say that. But, you know, yeah, I the equivalent, you. the modern equivalent. And then she's walking with Mr. Devinier and they see that sign, like you mentioned, and that she said, even in paintings, we're not depicted as, you know, entirely human or something like that. And then the light clicks on for the viewer at the same time as it clicks on for Mr. Devinier. And I really like the way they did that. And, and then, yeah, when the painting is revealed, it's so beautiful. It's a very powerful moment. And, and you're, and she is like slightly elevated above, like her head is slightly higher than Elizabeth's and it's really cool. And, and it's just, I don't know, it's a beautiful moment because the painting is unveiled after like the tumult the tumult of the movie like lord mansfield finds out that she's been sneaking out and visiting mr devinier and like talking and and things and and then she breaks off her engagement to oliver ashford and and so there's just like so much has happened but then the painting is unveiled and she smiles at it and it's just almost like this calm after a a very stormy time yeah and then and and i i just think it's a really good moment in the movie and it's really beautiful i i love gugu mabatha raw i think she's a fantastic actress and like i mean i i have like very i feel like i have like an emotional connection with her as an actress because i think that she plays just these these very emotional and important roles so beautifully and i i love seeing her in things i i don't think i've i mean i haven't seen a lot of her stuff but um she was in a wrinkle in time actually that it was with chris pine which i think i talked about before to you because i read the book when i was little and um they made the movie and the movies like it's they definitely took liberties that were like not in the book that i kind of wish they hadn't done um but overall i was i was like i enjoyed it you know but anyway but she's in that movie and i was like when i realized that she was in the movie i was like i love her <laughs> you know <laughs> so, yeah i haven't seen not a big her in much. either but what? i haven't seen her in much i've seen her in bell 
which I think is her greatest performance that I've seen. And then I saw her in Jupiter Ascending, which is an awful movie. <laughs> and then I saw her in the Cloverfield Paradox, which is like body horror and it's a oh. really unsettling movie. And her performance wasn't very inspired. It was just kind of, she was in the movie. But I think she's so good in this movie that I agree with you that she's a good actress. But I, I feel almost like she's been getting like a bad deal when it comes to the movie she's in. Yeah, I kind of think so too. And I'm not sure why that would be. I don't know. I don't know who makes these decisions and why she's sort of been relegated to movies that haven't done well right well and also bell is like despite there being a ton of like famous actors in and i mean miranda richardson tom felton tom wilkinson you know emily watson sarah gaddon are all like famous actors it's whenever i've i've mentioned this movie to a couple of people and they're like i've never even heard of it and i'm like no i'm like not a lot of people have you know and it, it's kind of one of those movies that i think flew under the radar and I really don't think it should have because I think it's such a fantastic film that it's like I, I don't understand why it didn't do better when it very much should have because it's very well written it's beautifully casted it's a very interesting it holds your interest the entire time um I think I mean, the yeah. main the main reason I think that's the case is that it is unfortunately a costume love story and i think a lot of people that's just not people just don't gravitate if you don't gravitate towards those movies you're not gonna watch it yeah and true. and it's just some people it's not their cup of tea and i think that that's probably one of the main reasons that it was overlooked because it's it is at its core um presented and basically a love story a costume love story you know it's deeper than right. that i'm not trying to i'm not trying to like cheapen it at all i just think that movies like that get a good foothold with people like you and me but people who aren't interested in that sort of thing usually don't give them a chance right well, which is and normal actually, like i don't there's plenty of movies that i don't usually give a chance either you know it's just like human nature you know yeah i mean actually i'm not really into a lot of period films either um obviously i've i've seen i that's not a hundred percent true because i do like some of them but i don't necessarily gravitate towards them like i saw pride and prejudice and i really didn't care for it i didn't i didn't i didn't really care about it i was like okay like everyone's really into this it's fine it's fine but that's i it wasn't my cup of tea but um but then I really liked Emma, you know? So it's just, I think it's... it's I think so. I think you giving them a chance is because you've seen ones that you like in that genre. Right. That's true. And I think that there are just people who don't give movies like this a chance. And that's just, I think, so I think that they have a very specific audience. And, I, you know, that's just how it is. Like, there are, there are movies that, I, like I said, like, Total Recall is probably a movie I would never have given a chance to if somebody hadn't suggested it. So I don't know. I think that I agree with you. I totally agree with you that this movie needs, like, it should have been more popular. But at the same time, it is very niche. Like, it is yeah. very niche. And I can totally get why people just wouldn't care to watch it, you know? 
Yeah. Big time. Big time. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so I do have one more thing. Are you, do you have anything else? I don't. I, I was thinking maybe we should talk more about the court scene, but I kind of think we already hashed it. So, well, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. Oh, okay. Okay. I do have, I have slight problems with this movie that I, that I, I don't like. Okay. And the main thing I don't like, the one thing basically is I, so Dido sneaks out to go listen to the verdict in this court trial and she sneaks into the balcony and she watches it and she watches the verdict. And I like that part. I'm on board with that part. But then she like goes down to the floor and gives Mr. Davinier a hug. And that's too far for me. Um, I don't think that that would have happened in real life. And then on the street, they kiss each other. And that's also something that I don't know um, if that would happen. And right. I know that that sounds really weird. And I know I'm probably going to sound like, like a nitpicker because I, it doesn't ruin the movie for me. I just feel like, like, I think that she had this courageous and independent spirit that you could see throughout the movie and she thought for herself. So I can get on board with her sneaking out into the upper section. And like when she sort of snuck into that section, the men sort of looked at her really weirdly because they were uncomfortable that she was there because she was a female and also because she was black. And I think, but I think it was too far to have her be so brazen as to go to the floor of the, like the commons where they were, where they were ruling. Cause I don't think that that was a play. Like, I don't think women just walked in there, especially right. after a verdict. Like she has no business being in there. And I would have rather had her hug him outside, like be waiting for him outside. And then, and then they were holding hands on the street when they were talking to Lord Mansfield. And I also thought that that was slightly historically inaccurate probably in some ways like that sort of pda um especially between people who they were not betrothed at all they had no relationship outwardly they had a relationship with each other they liked each other they they even loved each other um but i I didn't care for that and then i i didn't care for them kissing on the street and and i just wish that maybe they would have had like a little bit more privacy not kissing on the sidewalk because that felt sort of like you had this beautiful movie about like almost like a look appear into the window like a the veil has parted and we can see through time and you're like talking about the propriety of the time but then you have these weird things happen at the end and i didn't i didn't care for the slippage i thought that they slipped a little bit too much into mod modern modern storytelling for those little things and they bug me in a way that doesn't ruin the movie at all but i just since we have a podcast i thought what better place to talk about them you know no you um i actually agree with you i don't so much agree with you on the hand holding and the kiss in the street i think that in a moment of um a lot of excitement and knowing that they are now able to be together i think that 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 seems right i do agree with you that i don't think it would be likely that she would find him in the crowd yeah, and it kind of also seemed to, like, just to go back to that point, it kind of seemed like when Lord Mansfield was giving his verdict and he was saying that he ruled in favor of the insurers, which was um, kind of, like, I really like that scene, first of all, because 
you're watching it and you're kind of like not sure where he's going. Yes, I yeah. agree. Yeah, yeah, it's well done. Really well done. Yeah, and so you're like holding your breath the whole time because you obviously want, you know, these terrible men who murdered a bunch of slaves for like n- literally no reason other than they're shitty people. Um, and, you know, and, and Lord Mansfield is is like, it seems like he's like, no, I'm gonna vote in favor of these men. But then he kind of like is, you know, turns at the last minute and is like, actually, I'm really voting in favor of the insurers. So it's um, this very like this very intense scene because, you know, I mean, the entire movie, you want you don't want these men to to be able to get away with the fraud that they committed or the fact that they murdered a bunch of people. And um so I I do agree with you as far as her finding Mr. Devinier in the um it, within the crowd that that seemed kind of weird like and I even like didn't remember that she did that I thought she met him outside so when that did happen I was like oh okay um yeah a little bit too in, like too liberal I thought yeah, yeah yeah especially since she i mean this is the place that's a boys club you know they're not letting women in there and yeah she had to hide at one point so yeah yeah it's like <laughs> i i do agree with you on that it did not but again it did not bother me the pda outside to me that felt right because they were in love with each other and it was like it was just it was a moment of excitement so yeah yeah, yeah. and i i think I, I'm glad the movie ended with a kiss. Like, if if they told me, all right, well, you write a better scene, I would have still had them kiss. I just wouldn't have had them kiss on the sidewalk with people walking by the way they yeah. kissed because of the time period that the movie was made. Right. Um, but well, what they could have done, to, just to, sorry to interrupt you, but what they could have done is they could have... Um, had them like holding hands on the sidewalk and then they like kind of look at each other but then the next scene is them kissing when they get married yeah yeah Yeah. or like yeah something like that or maybe even just i think also like some find some way for them to be more like in an alcove or something like in an area that's not quite as noticeable and then Lord Mansfield goes away in his carriage and they kiss there. I would have been fine with that as well. Just, just the, the affection out in the open, I think was a a little bit, it seemed a little bit like off for. Yeah. No, I, I get what I get what you're saying. Uh, Mm -hmm. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Sorry. One other thing that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast and I want to bring up now is I really, really, really love when Lord Mansfield catches them and they're all in the carriage talking and Mr. Devinier like but like gets pretty passionate and says I love her I love her with every fiber of my being I I I know I don't care if I sound like a dork I love it I love the way he says that line I love the sentiment I love that he's so overcome with emotion the emotion of a like not being able to be with her b having to explain himself in a world where everyone is just so like tied up by tradition and c like like having his his own like having somebody try to challenge him like in in what he 
I don't know what he wants and what he loves and question, you know, like making him, I don't know. I just really liked it. I, I, I think it's a beautiful scene. And, and, and I think if you're a fan of love stories, then I think that that scene is just, I don't know. It's, it's beautiful. No, it's, it's beautiful. And also like, as the viewer, you're like, yes, oh my God. <laughs> yes. You know, it's, it's very yeah. exciting mm-hmm. because you're rooting for these people the whole time. And then he's just like, I love her. I'm in love with her. And you're like, oh my God, finally. (laughs) So yes, it's, it's really good. It's really, really a great moment. So it's a great, it's a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. Would you recommend it? 1000 million percent. I pretty much agree. My mind. (laughs) Yes. I even sent a bu- I even sent a couple people messages and I was like I just watched this movie and you should watch it cuz it's amazing. So it's Yeah. So would you recommend this movie? Oh, for sure, big time. I would yeah. totally agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. If you love I mean, I would recommend it for anyone to try, but especially if you like period pieces, costume dramas, love stories, and movies with very deep messages this movie had a very deep message about um just the preciousness of human life and it was an interesting look in the historical uh, atrocities of slavery and how people viewed uh africans uh people of color not just people from africa i guess people from any any person of color really you know and and it's pretty eye-opening um the Zong, Z-O-N-G, that's the slave ship, and that's a real story, and the wiki page is really sad, and uh, the story of her is a real story. You can look it up, um, yeah. and, and, the, and so it's just, I don't know, it's, it's interesting and sad, and, but a good story, like a happy ending for her and for Elizabeth, and, and it's a good yeah. movie. It's really well done, and yeah. if anyone watches it, Please give us your input about the scene where he says they meet at the pub at three o'clock and she answers quite. <laughs> Tell me what you think, because that scene is awful. That moment is awful. Not the scene. The whole scene is fine. It's the last, like, cool. I don't know, 15 <laughs> seconds of, this, of the scene. I have no idea what's going on. And I just need someone else to explain. I need someone to explain it to me, but in a way that makes sense, because I understand what is supposed to be said. But I don't understand her response. So that's the challenge. If anyone feels like engaging. Yeah. And uh, the real, I think I'm assuming the real person's name is Dido Elizabeth Bell Lindsay. So Mm -hmm. if you want to look her up, that's her name. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so you can follow us on Instagram. You can follow us on Facebook. And if you want to email us. Uh, we're, our email address is Watchers of Movie. Oh, yeah. Um, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Watchers of Movies. And our email, <laughs> you were like, that's right. <laughs> our email address is Watchers of Movies at gmail.com. And we also have a website that's Watchers of Movies.weebly.com. So check us out there. All our episodes are on there. So if you want to listen there, uh, we're on Spotify, Google Play, we're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. So check us out. And um, thank you so much to Mike for our theme music. It's awesome. You can find Mike on Twitter at the Mike Show 42. His name is Mike Myers. Thank you, Mike. Yep, thanks. If you, <laughs> I just forgot. Okay. If you would like us to review a movie, 
please go to iTunes, give us five stars and write a review. And you don't have to write an elaborate review. You can just do a movie title, just write a movie title. So for example, if I'm on iTunes and I'm rating, we are the watchers of movies podcast, I'm going to give five stars and I'm not a wordsmith. So all I do is write eternal sunshine of the spotless mind or whatever. And <laughs> or whatever. No, that's the only movie you can recommend. I guess. <laughs> that's the only one you can recommend. Um, I just put that. Or if you are a wordsmith, you can say whatever you want. Hopefully it's nice if you're giving us five stars, but also <laughs> include in that review the movie you would like us to review. And we will shoot that one up to the top starting in March. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting in like the second week of March. That's when. So it will be prioritized and we will do that one as soon as possible. If for some reason that seems unappealing to you or you don't have access to iTunes or you don't want to give us five stars. <laughs> Which, why are you listening to us in the first place if you're um, not giving us five stars? <laughs> you can send us an email or a social media message with a movie that you would like us to review and we will put that on the list. It just won't be prioritized. So yeah. if you're dipping your toe into the waters of We Are the Watchers of Movies and you're not sure you want to commit, there is a way to talk to us still also one more thing um this week i bought superman ice cream and Mm -hmm. it's all because i saw them when we watched the movie hook (laughs) they were eating all those bowls and they looked like superman ice cream and so listener nicole i blame you (laughs) but i also think the store should send you a proceed of the sales from my tub of superman ice cream because i would never have watched that movie if it hadn't been for you requesting it so thank you nicole because superman ice cream is delicious and it was really fun last night to eat a bowl of it because i've been craving it since hook and it's so funny wow for weeks and weeks huh yeah and i keep thinking of it but then i'm like no but then yesterday i was like it's time it's time to buy superman ice cream so thank you nicole because nicole requested hook we watched hook And in turn, the economy was slightly boosted by me spending money on something I wouldn't normally spend money on. So you're not just helping us by requesting a movie to review. You're helping the whole world. Yeah, the whole world. Not just the American economy. The whole economy of the world. Well, the cows. The macro economy. (laughs) Everything that goes into making ice cream. Yep, yep, Mm. yeah. Anyway, so I think that's it, right? That's it. That's it. Bye. Bye. Bye.